Is your tight end situation leaving you with a raw rear end? Tired of taking the Arizona approach of totally fading the position? Well, iKin brings in a few special guests to help end your suffering, as long as you're not a Jets fan. Open your voice recorder app now and get those notes ready for next season. Enjoy! Hello everybody, this is Iken. There is no Boots this afternoon, as Boots is on a special location on a special assignment, which we'll find out more about next time. So instead, we have Noro, our resident Sacco, who's going to come and talk to us today. Hi Noro, thanks for coming in. Happy to be here. And we have none other than the Dynasty Guru himself, Dude Kids, otherwise known as DK. Yeah, this is... Uh... This is Dude Kid, aka DK, aka DK Loxco Inc. Follow me on Twitter, DK Loxco Inc. <laughs> <laughs> With a shameless plug. Love it. Glad to have Always. you guys here. Thanks for coming in. Uh, we are going to discuss the tight end wasteland that has been plaguing the land. I think worse than COVID 19 almost at this point. That's a, that's a bold claim, but I mean, I'm not inclined to disagree. Um, is this where we get an audio clip of uh, Teenage Wasteland playing and someone dubs Tight End Wasteland over it? Oh yeah, that's definitely going in and editing now. Thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, so, really we're, we're, what we're looking at is um, one of the most challenging positions that is facing your Dynasty player, your Redraft player, and to an extent your DFS player. And uh, trying to decide some of the strategies that you're going to utilize in determining which who you're going to target, who you're going to take, and, and what the process is behind to making those decisions. So then that way, you're not really giving anything up opportunity cost-wise in your, your draft, whether that's going to be an auction or it's going to be snake, where this probably comes more into play in snake than it does in auction. But now still, uh, we, have, we, have, we have some interesting data to look at here. So, Nora, why don't you kind of get, get us kicked off here in terms of uh, some of the points you want to make? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm just going to quickly go over the process that I've been using to evaluate tight ends this season. Um, and it's lifted from a guy named Andrew Cooper over on Fantasy Alarm. And he has a great series on tight end. I recommend checking it out. Uh, but basically, he has a set of criteria that he uses to evaluate what he thinks are going to be top five tight ends at the position. And he uses top five because that gets you a top half starter in smaller leagues. And I'm sure you are all familiar with how significant the drop-off is in production at the position. Uh, so even if you have a guy who you think could be a, a top 12 tight end, uh, a top 12 tight end doesn't always do anything for you. I'm sure you've experienced having a, a guy who's technically tight end 11 and you want him off your roster because he just feels dreadful. Mm -hmm. um, and so the basis of these criteria is something that he calls the target conundrum which is that in order for someone to have a top five season as a tight end, they need to hit 100 targets. There's only been two seasons, I want to say in like the last six or seven years, uh, where a tight end finished top five without 100 targets, and it was Mark Andrews last year on 98 targets, mm -hmm. uh, and Jimmy Graham in 2016 with 95 targets. Other than those two seasons, every so single close. other top five tight end finish has been on 100 targets or more. And with that in mind... Um, 
for a tight end to hit 100 targets, they pretty much have to be the number one or number two target on their team because it's very uncommon for teams to have three different 100 target pass catchers, and it's even more uncommon for one of them to be a tight end. Uh, the last time was 2016. It was Dennis Pitta. Uh, he had 100 targets as the number three target uh, on, in Baltimore. Um, so basically, it really, really narrows down the field of guys that you're looking at because they need to have a clear path to number one or number two target share on their team. Uh, otherwise, the ceiling, the top five upside just isn't there. So that's the main thing we're looking for. Uh, then the other criteria that he uses that I've incorporated into my own process are snap rate, particularly trying to hit that 90% mark, mm -hmm. uh, having a low pass blocking rate, preferably under 10%. Uh, looking for a high average depth of target, seven or higher, and then good physical traits or speed or just uh, yards after the catch ability to generate some additional fantasy points on top of the receptions. I think what I heard there is I think you're bringing in the idea of they got to have some good bars. B bars do play a role. <laughs> so, I mean, really, the, the bars are valuable insofar as they represent ability to generate separation and to produce yards after the catch. Mm -hmm. So there are people that are talented enough to do those things without having physical traits, and there are people with great physical traits, as I'm going to talk about later on, who can't actually do those things as well as you'd imagine given their physical <laughs> acumen. So, yeah, right. that's just kind of the perspective that I'm looking at tight ends through uh, this season. Okay, so to so as I as far as I can interpret what you're saying, so basically you're looking for those teams that have uh, maybe a wide receiver one and you know maybe a, a, a reliable running back, but maybe they lack something like a, a, like a reliable wide receiver two, or maybe that wide receiver two position is a little bit muddled. Uh, perhaps in the case of, for example, Green Bay right now, where they have a standout number one, uh, they have a good running back situation, and he acts as a pass catcher out of the backfield. But they don't really have a number two right now. Uh, you know, I guess arguably you could say Lazard. But, I mean, everyone's kind of on top of Tanyan as, as he kind of fits that description in terms of the opportunity. Like maybe, I, I, we'll, I'm sure we'll get into it later. But I just want to make sure that that's, that's kind of the situation that you're talking about there. Yeah, so on one hand, it's kind of um, the way looking at like ambiguous backfields targeting uh, the cheapest running back. It's like ambiguous receiver cores have paths for wide or for tight ends to see high target shares um but i mean when you when you look at like the big four tight ends kelsey kittle andrews waller these guys just smash all these criteria they have the snap shares or the snap rates and the target shares kittle uh kelsey and waller are all the number one target on their respective teams andrews is the second um but i mean those guys are obviously few and far between so then it's looking at the lower tier of tight ends and that kind of gets into the situation where you're describing where they're trying to maybe trying to profit off of that uh, ambiguity okay so i mean and what you're doing it sounds like is you're just kind of quantifying uh, a, a notion that we already kind of know where you, opportunity and volume are fantasy producers but in this case we're actually able to identify a number in which we can use it as a metric to hold everybody else up accountable why so then that way you can make that decision like you know this past performance is, did not meet the criteria in this process and so therefore i'm not going to perhaps target that tight end next year 
Exactly. Yeah, we're just trying to capture upside specifically like top five and we're looking at variables that play into that and using that to narrow down the field of tight ends that we're willing to pick from so that we don't get stuck with guys that are buried on their team's target totem pole and have no real shot at finishing top five. Awesome. I love it. DK, what you got to add? Honestly, I mean, uh, that's great, great lens to look through when you're talking about in terms of an actual criteria that you can say, hey, you know, I've got these five data points and I want my tight ends to fit in between that. Um, you know, it's a great system. Me personally, you know, it's it's different in, in my opinion. I'm always looking for a value tight end. Mm-hmm. And to me, tight end is, is the value position. Now, I say that, of course, my hometown league, my, my main primary league I've done forever, I drafted uh, Travis Kelsey with my first pick. However some context behind it it's you know it's a keeper league the first round's depleted i had the 11th pick so to me that was kind of like a all right let's take a shot it's also non-ppr so yeah last la- la- <laughs> thing but uh to me that was a uh, he's a touchdown machine that's that's the guy i'm going for otherwise you know i'm looking for i mean we're talking if we're talking redraft this year the fans the hawks the guys that are going to be those 10th 11th rounders even maybe 8th 9th 10th rounders that have the ability and have the opportunity to just smash right out of the box and and give you that you know like two years ago it was George Kittle I mean you you know you see it you see it happen enough Mark Andrews is another one and and this is all speaking right to Noro's point um, you want guys that are pass catchers you want guys that are route runners some of them do both great that keeps them on the field even more but uh, give me the athletic pass catchers as well for sure okay so a cu- couple things to kind of pull and tease out of that one uh, again we're, we're hitting the idea that they got to have good bars um, and you know <laughs> you know <laughs> always always and in bias. case anyone's listening that uh, you know they don't understand what we mean by bars but literally we're looking at the percentiles of of the performance in in certain events the combine events so if they're performing at a, in a certain percentile for that class of of rookies is is if they are coming into the 99th percentile in virtually every uh, metric uh, i mean that's going to be one of that's not just going to be like a nice to have that ends up kind of being a requirement yeah, to me, honestly, and this I will say this is a, a little bit geared more towards dynasty than redraft, but to me, my tight ends all have to be basically athletic freaks of nature. I want them to have those, you know, as you say, bars. Uh, that's honestly almost like um, I, I equivalate. Uh, let me say that again. It's the equivalent to me of. You know, you have to have a bachelor's. Let's let's look into getting the uh, masters here. Yeah. The bachelor's is the prerequisite. You have to have the the tight end. That's the freak athlete, the guy that's going to stand out on the field. That's why I hate Tyler Higby. <laughs> but uh, you also need to have, you know, you have to. It has to go further than that. And we all joke around bar- with bars and everything. But I want college production. I want things like. You know, guys that stood out on the field every time they stepped on the field, basically from maybe high school or college or and just kept going in the pros. Um, Another thing that I I know um, we didn't really touch much on, a thing I like to look at is uh, yards per route run as well. That's that's another thing. and again, I'm I'm, I'm kind of going a little bit on a dynasty tangent, but this will help you identify in your redraft some guys for like next year. You know, if you have a rookie tight end this year, and, and to be honest, there weren't many great ones. Um, but last year, for example, you had Fant and Hawk, and they put up like legendary numbers and yards per route run. 
all these other underlying numbers were there and you could kind of see that and that's pointing to okay this could lead this guy you know he stepped on the field in year one he was productive he was efficient now let's see what happens in year two you know once he has that year under his belt and you know we joke around about the year five tight end breakout <laughs> I think it, with true elite talents I mean Evan Engram you know year one he stepped on the field and dominated um, so you want to see that you want to see guys that are not just flopping in year one and and kind of you know, you want to see some gradual improvement, even if it's small, you want to right, see and something. I, and it sounds like that kind of comes into play when you're looking at the previous year's performance and you're looking at what your opportunity cost is. And I was going to, this is where I was going to segue into it is you're looking at that opportunity cost being like, Hey, you know, this is actually a pretty reasonable bet, right? Like if you're picking up one of these guys, that's right. maybe like a second, third, uh, you know, year tight end. And you're down in your in the ninth round or something like that, um, and you, they they fit the they fit the bill right. They got the bars, they got the opportunity, um, you know the writing's on the wall, and, but they're available in the ninth round. It's like, well, you know, at, at at what point are you really giving anything up? Are you giving anything up in the ninth round, or is that a value because really there's nothing else that's good around there, and there's a it's an educated gamble on whether or not they are going to have their breakout year. Is what it sounds like you're getting at there. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, to me and, you know, my, my one Kelsey league aside, I'm going all value on tight end. So I'm looking at those ninth, 10th, 11th round guys. And I'm not, I stream. If it, if it, hit, if it misses, you know, too bad. And I try to stream a tight end. If it hits, then you have a Noah Fant, you have a Hawk. I mean, look at what both of those guys did, especially in the first few weeks. And Hawk continues to do. Uh, that's huge value. I mean, if you got those guys in the ninth round or later, you have a locked-in tight end one every week that, that you don't really need to worry about while you've already improved your other parts of your roster because you didn't have to spend mm-hmm. on it. Yeah, absolutely. And and going after value tight ends and later rounds doesn't preclude you from incorporating some of these criteria for trying to find top five upside tight ends. Uh, it really kind of just helps narrow mm-hmm. down your search. So when you are looking for a tight end in around 10 or 11 and you, just for the sake of argument, you have the fan and hawk on the board, but also there's, you know, the Tyler Higby or the Hayden Hurst or these guys that got a bit of buzz and that have, you know, clear roles in their respective offense. But from the way that I'm looking at it, they don't have that path to top two target numbers. They're not going to be a target hog. They don't really have the the physical uh, traits to be kind of like dominant um, the way that some of these younger guys like Fant and Hawk do and so it's just kind of a matter of of making sure you're not capping your upside by drafting these Higby types that are are going to be limited and what they can actually accomplish in a season when we look at what is required for a top five finish well let's let's dig into that specific situation for a moment because I think that's actually kind of an interesting situation uh, and 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 then afterwards I, I want to start hearing to some some of what you guys have to say is like who some of your favorite targets are now maybe for next year what your strategy has been this year uh, but I wanted to kind of dig into the Higby thing because I thought that that was a really really interesting situation because um, I went into this season fully expecting Higby to be a trap. Um, and I think you both agree with me on this one. Yeah, I mean, the thing with Higby is, like, we, we saw some heavy utilization of him down the stretch of the 2019 season. I think you know where season. I stand on yeah, Higby. Yeah, we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get there. Um, but quickly, just in terms of, of the target share available to him, we saw him have, like, <laughs> higher uh, target share percentage towards the back half of last season. Um, but one of the... 
I don't know if you could call it a rule, but something that is becoming more prominent in the fantasy community is that like wide receiver targets are earned. And so Higby is out on the field competing against Cooper Cup and Robert Woods for his piece of the pie. And we know that those guys are talented wide receivers and we've seen that they have a connection with Jared Goff. And then what DK is I'm sure going to talk about in a moment is that Gerald Everett is chomping at the bit (laughs) behind Tyler Higby on that depth chart. And he was injured at the end of last season and he has better physical traits than Higby and profiles as a better pass catcher. So there's just a lot of variables that kind of muddy the situation for Higby and that I felt capped his upside that he was never going to have that true number one or number two target share on that team. At least not without injury in this case, it seems. And I think that was kind of what my point really was, is that um, that's why I felt like it was a trap. Because you're right. I mean, we had all this opportunity kind of just dumped in his lap because we were dealing with a fair number of injuries to the Rams' backfield. I mean, Gurley was kind of in and out, right? Um, we Everett was out. Um, I think Cooper Cup, I don't remember. I forget if it was 2018 or 2019, he tore his ACL. Um, so, I mean, you're dealing with a number of people who have been getting knocked in and out of that offense. And so he's been able to stay healthy and have that opportunity. And so when you're coming into this, you're coming into this draft this year and you see that all those people that are talented and have earned those targets, like you said before, they just simply weren't in the game because they've been injured. You can't help but look at that and say, hey, maybe he won't have the same opportunity this time around because everybody else is back in play. So why would you use that opportunity cost on someone in the ninth round when you could have someone like Fant or you could have someone like Hawk at the same position and there's not the same competition? Yeah, I think you nailed it. Um, that's That was my thought process going in. I mean, we if you really read between the lines last year, you know, Gerald Everett, for, for what it's worth, he was kind of on the verge of a breakout. He had two or one or two pretty nice games uh, where he was heavily involved, and then he unfortunately got hurt. And that was step one that opened the door for Tyler Higby. And, of course, a lot of people, but maybe some people don't know, but a lot of people that even don't follow the Rams seem to know that they changed their scheme, their their whole style of offense. Um, their, their O-line was letting them down. They were trying to get Gurley going, and they really just went heavy blocking, which got Tyler Higby on the field more and actually took Cooper Cup off the field more. Um, you combine all those things and you just have Goff throwing to Higby almost out of necessity. But, you know, going into this year, we had Sean McVay come out in the offseason talking about how he wanted to get Everett going again. He, You know, they still have him. They're still using him. He's still on the team. And I personally think he's just a better athletic tight end than Tyler Higby. And, you know, right there he has competition. Not to mention, you know, you have to imagine they'll get Cup going again and get Woods involved more. Um, Of course, they lost Brandon Cooks, but uh, with all that said, Tyler Higby at his ADP was just, for me, hands off because you could get Everett so much cheaper. And I'm always just looking for the value, looking for the cheaper guy. I mean, Higby wasn't super expensive, but I I didn't like the player as much. And you can get the same, in, in my opinion, it's the same possibility of or the same potential of a breakout in Gerald Everett as Tyler Higby for like 10 rounds later. We're undrafted in yeah, redraft. No, I, 100%. I mean, if you were if you were thinking about it, I mean, for those dynasty players, if you were thinking about it last year, you're like, well, let me grab Gerald Everett while he's hurt because he 
probably is at a discount at that point. Yep. Is if you can afford it, if you can afford to not, you know, if you can afford the bank spot. I mean, I thought that was I thought that was a great move. I, I remember DK. I know that you and I we I think we spent a, a little bit of time actually talking about this exact situation back then, um, and you know I was maybe a little bit pigheaded because I had Higby and he helped me out a lot. Uh, but I mean, I think over time and especially this season, it, it absolutely has illustrated and opened my eyes into seeing you know what Gerald Everett really brings to the brings to the field. And it's 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 undeniable. Uh, the guy has a, t- a ton of talent. He's he's an athletic freak, um, and so I think I think what I'd like to do is maybe pivot pivot off of that because we can definitely talk about the Rams' offense. They're just absolutely insane uh, in terms of not following uh, really what anyone else is doing. And since we're a real podcast with real podcast things, we'll be right back after this word from our sponsor. Attention. If you or a loved one drafted Corey Davis or Sammy Watkins in fantasy football and you felt tricked, backstabbed, or quite possibly bamboozled, then you may be entitled to financial compensation. These notorious fantasy conmen have been inflicting emotional trauma on unsuspecting fantasy managers for years. If this has happened to you, call Ben Jarvis Green Ellis Law Firm right now to see if you qualify for financial compensation. Uh, I'd like to pivot instead to uh, maybe. So I want to hear from each of you uh, who your kind of your your redraft tight end target was. Maybe one or two. Uh, and then I'd like to kind of pivot also into if you had to stream, who are the two people that are you're gonna target now if you had to stream? So go ahead, DK. Give me your give me your guys who you're after this year. Yeah, I mean, to start, I did mention earlier, you know, Hawk and Fant, those were literally on every, I mean, I joke around with you guys, of course, like I said, I do a lot of Dynasty Leagues, but I think I have Noah Fant on maybe 10 out of 12 leagues, <laughs> you know, in, in redraft, he was my guy, I just thought he was ready to set, he, he ended the year strong last year, he did get hurt, um, but before he got hurt and they kind of phased him out because they were kind of out of the race anyway, he was doing really well. And I just thought he would really pick up in where he left off last year. On top of Hawk, I think the, the story was pretty, you know, everybody knew that he had that huge game one. I think it was week one last year. He had like 100 yards and two touchdowns. Everybody, he exploded mm-hmm. onto the scene. Then he got a concussion and then he had all kinds of injuries and was kind of, in, you know, in and out all year. But again, he finished the year kind of strong. He had those nice underlying numbers, the yards per route run that I had mentioned. He had some positive signs coming into this year. And those two guys I just felt were undervalued across the board because they had you know, roles in this offense. As we see Hawk, I mean, he's not getting the target share that you necessarily love but he's their red zone guy. I mean, he, he scores touchdowns, which again, and that's another thing you want out of your tight ends. You want touchdowns. I mean, you know, every tight end is going to have those four catches for 40 yard weeks, but a touchdown makes, makes the bank. Um, for Fant, I had a actual, you know, my personal belief was that he would come in and command a good 20% of the target share. I think, you know, Sutton getting hurt obviously mm-hmm. changed that too. Um, so he still has you know potential to, to even break that, but I just thought it was him and Sutton, and I don't I don't love Jerry Judy personally. I don't think he was ready for a year one breakout mm-hmm. to begin with. They have KJ Hamler, who I like is a nice player, but I, you know I just think Fant is a pure wide receiving option. Hawk does both; he's a blocker and a catcher. 
Fant is, you know, they are de- he's he's their pass catching tight end. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Um, it's really too bad for about his injury because of what he was doing before that. He was primed. Um, but those, yeah, those two guys were were for sure my top two redraft guys. I mean, I, I can't argue with you. Those were probably some of my uh, higher targets as well. I think I'd maybe strayed away from Hawkinson a little bit simply because I had concerns with Matthew Stafford. Uh, but I, I mean, I'm definitely on the fan train with you. I have him uh, everywhere I could get him myself. So, Nora, what you got? Yeah, I just wanted to jump in on uh, Fant and Hawk before we moved on. Um, they were definitely on my short list of guys that I was into uh, in the pre-draft process, uh, just because kind of capturing or DK captured a lot of my thoughts on it in terms of the upside that re- they represented. Admittedly, I had them a little bit deeper, and there were some other guys that I'll talk about in a second that I ranked, unfortunately, above them. But as far as right now, you know, we're at, we're at week nine, we're halfway through the season. We've got a lot of data under our belts, and a lot of people are probably either they found the solution at tight end, maybe they got lucky and drafted Kelsey, maybe they have Fanton Hawk and they're sitting pretty. Um, but if you don't have these guys, and if you have some uncertainty at the position, I think I absolutely would recommend anyone go out and try and get Fant and or Hawk right now to have as your primary tight end going through the rest of the season. Nora, I don't want to cut into what you're saying. I 100% agree. If if you can even send out an offer, like I still feel like these guys are undervalued in the trade market. I yes. really do, and I think you're yes. right on. Like, so get in terms of like the the peripheral numbers that they're seeing, you kind of touched on it. That Hawk has not quite the target numbers that you'd be looking for out of uh, like a number one tight end. Uh, however. He's got 10 red zone targets on the season, which I want to say is tied for second among tight ends. He's got a 70% catch rate. Um, so he's been super efficient and effective with those uh, end zone with those red zone targets. Uh, and with Galladay being out and injured, he's actually leading the Lions in raw targets in the season, even if he's slightly behind in a share um, when Gully plays. So the, the, it's, it's absolutely all there for Hawk. And with Stafford just going on the COVID IR list. Um, there's probably some uncertainty, and with Galladay being injured, people are worried about that passing attack. I think it's it's a great opportunity to go in there and get Hawk right now. Uh, he's he's the number four tight end right now, and I think he can absolutely maintain that pace throughout the rest of the season, especially since Kittle just went down. Uh, so mm-hmm. the position's getting thinner than it already was. Um, so super in on Hawk, and then as far as Fant goes, uh, he he has fantastic numbers. He's getting 7.2 targets a game. Uh, a 20% target share. Uh, that's well above pace for 100 targets on the season, um, and he's getting he's catching 75 70% of his balls. So he's being he's being efficient. Uh, his red zone targets he only has five, which is not a great mark. But Denver is bottom three in the league in red zone attempts this season. They've had a QB carousel and all of these wide receiver injuries. It has been a nightmare. But Locke is healthy, uh, Fant is healthy, Judy's healthy. I think Hamler. Um, I think he was out recently, but I think he is coming back. So it's like they're finally getting, minus Cortland Sutton, some semblance of the offense that they built. And so I think this is a good opportunity uh, to go out and get Fant because even though he's getting a lot of volume, I think he's going to continue to see that volume as well as an increase in scoring opportunities. Uh, So I think, again, he has a pretty clear path to potential top five rest of season upside. Um, So I just I just love both of those guys rest of season as far as like something actionable to just go out and grab those guys if you don't have a top 10 end already. Have you looked at his schedule, his upcoming schedule? Because it's pretty good. Is it pretty nice? That that's yeah, just Atlanta, Las Vegas, New Orleans, KC, Atlanta, Carolina, (laughs) Buffalo, Chargers. 
that's great. The only one that I'd be concerned of in there, they got to play Miami uh, the, uh, for week 11. That would probably be the only one that I'm really afraid of for fan. I wouldn't even be too afraid of that, to be honest with you. I know they're a decent defense, but I think they've actually, I think they're a bit overrated at this point. And we can, you know, we don't have to get too much into that, but they haven't faced a lot of great wide receiving and pass catching options. Uh, the only one that I think they've come up against so far uh, have been the Bills, and they got they got scorched by it. So they got smoked by Diggs and John yep. Brown, actually. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, okay. So let's 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 move off that. I, I think I think we've we've beat the the Fant and Hawk horse to death. There, let's, we've made it clear how we feel. Yeah. Let's let's maybe let's maybe pivot to to uh, another conversation. Um, you know, I think John Smith was one of those situations where a lot of people were kind of taking him more or less in the same spot. Uh, however, with him, we're, we we dealt with an injury for a little while, right? We dealt with that bye. We dealt with an injury. Thankfully, most of the injury was out time was during the bye. Um, but then we saw something kind of curious where we had another tight end step in and start to actually kind of take his production that we kind of expected. And then it kind of just, it, it's persisted now. So what do we do with this situation here? What do you guys think? Yeah, so Johnny was interesting. So- um he dominated the first five weeks of the season. He he was leading the Titans in targets. He had five touchdowns. He looked like a bona fide like top five tight end. Um, and then he had that injury, like you said. I want to say it was week five or six. Um, he came back the next week. Uh, but in the past three weeks, uh, Johnny Smith is seeing an eight percent target share. He's he's splitting tight end work with uh, Anthony Ferkser, and both AJ Brown and Corey Davis are healthy and just dominating the passing attack. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, I I think that is it right there. I think Janu's best weeks are behind him. I think he profited uh, from the injuries to Corey Davis and AJ Brown early on in the year. Uh, they're both healthy. They're both hitting their strides, and Janu Smith is quickly becoming an afterthought in an offense that already has limited passing volume because of Derrick Henry's role on the ground. So I think my advice for Jonu is if you can still sell him for someone who sees how high his overall points are on the season and get one of the guys that we've been talking about that we like rest of season, I would advise you hop off the Jonu train. Okay. Do you still see uh, now Humphreys was, was their kind of underneath guy do you perhaps see any value? And if you maybe, let's say you kind of are stuck with maybe Johnny for the time being, do you see any value being increased for Johnny or even Ferks or I guess for that matter with Humphreys out there? Um, I mean, not necessarily. I mean, the, the target numbers kind of show that even with like Humphreys getting his head exploded on the field, uh, there's not a ton of room for like number three and number four guys to be consistent week to week. Uh, I, I mean, like, I'm sure Johnny will have more TD games or Ferkser will have more touchdowns, uh, but I just see it being really inconsistent with the way that the offense has looked the past three weeks, and I anticipate that to be going the, the way it looks going forward if A.J. Brown and Corey Davis are healthy. So, Ike, and if I could, I'd, I'd love to pivot that question into my next, my next little yeah, point that's... here. Um, so say you're stuck with Johnny, You know, you, you, you could probably – Ideally, you package him and somebody else to try to go get a Fanta or a Hawk. But 
if you can't, um, you know, I've been looking at some tight ends that I think, and I know we had mentioned briefly, you know, look for some guys that are pretty low ownership um, that you could maybe get for free or that if they're owned, you know, you could probably get them in a throw-in. You give them Janu and get somebody else better plus this guy. And this guy is Logan mm-hmm. Thomas for me. Um I have him. At, I know we said our our cutoff being thirty percent owned in Yahoo. He's thirty six. I thought That's that was close, close enough. enough. He's actually not owned in Dragons, which I thought was mm. even more surprising. Um, this guy's, you know, he's the the Washington football team has had a real strange year. Um, it started off with the Haskins experiment, which didn't work out. It then and he was actually doing pretty well then. And then they had that weird fluky game there with Alex Smith. Um, you know, I don't know what that was all about, but basically, you know, starting this week, I think Logan Thomas is about to smash. And I think you know they're facing New York. Um, they're middle of the pack against tight ends, um, but I think that's a bit misleading. So first they had Eric Ebron week one. They had Jimmy Graham week two. They had the Rams tight ends uh, the week the week after, and Schultz in the uh, Dak injury game. They they just didn't have they haven't faced anybody really great at the tight end position. They actually just gave up Richard freaking Rogers uh, eighty five <laughs> yards in week seven, and then uh, Gronk and Br- uh, Cameron Bray combined for like seventy five and yeah. a touchdown last week. So I think. You know, I think there's somebody you don't have to be too worried about, and this will be good for you know redraft or DFS, which I know we like to touch on a bit. Um, Thirty-seven hundred dollars in in DraftKings, um, and you want to talk about bars? This guy's bars <laughs> jump off the page. But basically, uh, he's number one in slot snaps. That's a sixty-point-six percent rate. He's number six in routes run, which at thirty-two per game. Um, I know Kyle Allen's not a world beater. I do think James Bradbury will be covering mm-hmm. McLaurin this week, so that could open him up a little bit. Um, Kyle Allen's not great, but for what he is, he gets the ball to his playmakers, and he's a better option than anybody they've been yeah. trotting out there. They're fresh off the bye, and I think that now you know they know Kyle Allen's the starter. He's going to be th- he knows what he's working with. I think you know this is a guy you can go out and get pretty cheap that could be a difference maker. He's got two touchdowns, I think, in his past two games. Yep. Like the it. only the only concern uh, I have with Logan Thomas is that he causes PTSD in boots. So I don't know if you can listen to this episode. Now. <laughs> Honestly, uh-huh. I right. I consider that a pro. Uh, triggering boots is just one of the greatest pleasures in life. But uh, as for Logan Thomas, uh, I totally agree with you, DK. I don't generally like streaming tight ends or even talking about streaming tight ends because tight ends that can be found on the waiver wire in week eight generally do not represent any significant upside. Uh, but Logan Thomas had that rough stretch that you talked about that left a sour taste in a lot of people's mouths, and he's probably been dropped. But so far on this season, he's playing 85% of snaps. He's getting 5.7 targets a game, which is just under 100 target pace. He has an above average average depth of target at 8 yards, and he is the clear number two target on that Washington team. So, I mean, the, the, there's a lot of boxes being checked there, and like you said, he's got the bars. So, I mean, for, for a guy who's probably free i definitely like picking him up as an ad um whether you're plugging him in and starting him or just stashing him uh in case this breakout continues um but yeah i'm a big big fan of logan thomas nah i'm with you i i think he does he he does check all the boxes i mean ron rivera wouldn't shut up about him in the preseason um and i think it's probably is just it it's getting the offense on the same page. I mean, you you remove your your starting quarterback and you play 
the quarterback carousel thing and you just have a bunch of question marks there, I, you're, you're going to have a whole hard time with any pass catching uh, pieces really putting anything up reliably. Um, so uh, I want to, I want to, I want to play a quick game with you guys if we got to get, we got to get wrapping this up. Uh, but uh, all right. Gun to your head. Who are you starting? Irv Smith or Greg Olson? Oh, gosh. Is this Can a is this a, is this a 64-team <laughs> league? Yeah, go ahead, DK. I actually, so I have a whole, like, I prepared basically a whole show's worth of tight end stuff here. So <laughs> I actually picked, so I had two 1% owned or, like, zero, like very low percent owned guys. Greg Olson was one of them. Um, he's $3,100 in DFS. Buffalo is 29th against the tight end. I know mm-hmm. that it's pretty close to home, Mike. And um, they've given up big, huge games to Mike Gusecki, the the combo of Higby and Everett, Darren Waller. They even gave up a touchdown to Jason Witten. Um, the huge game to Jonu Smith. The only two guys they've really defended are Ryan Izzo and Chris Herndon. Is that really de- so? That shows is that really defending? Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. They're, they're pretty much always covered, even when they're not. So, you know, they have Matt Milano is ruled out. Um, I saw Micah Hyde is set return to return, so that might be, you know, that might be tough. But, you know, watch the status with Olsen. He did have a foot injury, but he was practicing as of mm-hmm. yesterday. Um, I think Disley is the only thing you're worried about there. Disley is kind of their primary run blocker, which I'm sure Noro can talk to a bit. But with the, with the running game, I mean Carson's out again. That that running game's on the shelf. Um, you know, I think they're going to just be passing. We've seen it already. And Russ is cooking, mm-hmm. right? So uh, I think um, I know Disley out snapped Olson last week. I think I have it at 43 to 37. But Olson ran uh, 22 routes while Disley just ran 16. So. Again, this is gun to head. Irv Smith is a the second best tight end on, or second most used tight end, I should say, in a uh, run, run, run first offense. I just uh, give me Olson. He's tied to he's tied to Russ Wilson. I'll take him every right. time. Yeah, I completely agree. I may have overreacted to Greg Olson initially, but when you, when you kind of look into it a little bit, uh, he's getting three point seven targets a game, and as far as like a super super deep play that's that's not terrible numbers that's above both Tyler Higby and Gerald Everett it's above Drew Sample Chris Herndon just Darren Fells guys like that um compared to Will Disley who's seeing less than two targets a game uh and these are these are Russell Wilson targets I mean he's throwing touchdowns uh like it's his job because it, it is his job he gets paid a lot of money to do it he's very good at it I like to watch him do it uh but yeah no I, I like Greg Olson as far as like just like a pure uh, boom bust you know he could catch one pass for two yards or he could catch three passes for four yards and two touchdowns you know <laughs> that, that's kind of within the the range of outcomes for Olson because that's just what the Seattle passing attack is doing right now so it's it's Greg Olson for me as well okay I got I got one more for you guys uh Anthony Frickser or Albert O. I'm not going to try to say his last name because <laughs> oh, you've got to be kidding o. me. He was my other guy. Oh my god, um, Albert Okuebanam, as I've learned how to pronounce today. Um, Albert O. And this is also a Noah Fant tweet, by the way. Um, he's $2,800 <laughs> on DraftKings. Obviously, Noah Fant is the goat, but 
Jerry Judy stinks, which is another topic for another day. Uh, and their only real pass catchers outside of Fanta are, are guys like Tim Patrick, who may be playing again. He, he was hurt recently. Uh, KG, KJ Hamler, Judy, uh, Noah Fant. I mean, the Falcons' defense ranks 31st in receiving yards allowed and 32nd in touchdowns to opposing tight ends. So they've just been burned. Uh, Greg Olson, again, another another Greg Olson shout. He beat them for a touchdown. Dalton Schultz and Blake Bell got them for 120 in a touchdown. Jimmy Graham, two touchdowns. The, the infamous Bob Tunyon game, 60 and three touchdowns. I mean, these guys just bleed out. And then this, by the way, Ian Thomas sucks. Three catches for 20 yards against them. <laughs> um, but, but really, I mean, he's getting looks in the red zone. Uh, he has four red zone targets in the past couple weeks in limited time. Uh, he has that college connection with Drew Locke. I know he. there were reports that he pounded the table for the Broncos to draft him. Um, you know, Noah Fant has been banged up a little bit, so he's he's kind of just a punt play. But he's a guy that could get you a couple touchdowns if, you know, if the things fall right. Atlanta just gets roasted. Um, he's a huge, you want to talk about bars, I mean, this guy is a freak. Um he, 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 I don't. I would never recommend cuffing your tight end. But if Noah Fant ever get, goes down or gets hurt, I think he's a, he's going to take off. As a as a Noah Fant owner, believe me, I, the, it's it's there. If I didn't already have Trey Burton, I'd I'd, I'd have Albert O sitting on my bench for sure. Nora, what you got on this? Yeah, I got Albert O as well here uh, for a similar reason to why I picked Greg Olson, and it's just I think the upside isn't really there for Ferkser. Um, he's only had one usable game all season, and it was a game where both Jonu Smith and Corey Davis uh, were injured, um, and it was against a super soft Houston secondary matchup. Um, the stars just kind of aligned for him there, and I am highly skeptical uh, that he's ever going to have another game at anything close to that uh, without injuries ahead of him on the depth chart. Um, whereas Alberto has seen a couple... Um, he had a six targets week six, seven targets week seven, um, and Noah Fant played in both of those games. Or actually, Noah Fant didn't play week six. No, he, he was out week for those, seven. But um, he scored last week with Noah Fant playing, I believe. Noah Fant played week seven, so they they yes, both had that's seven right. targets. He played one of those. Yep, yeah, they right. both had seven targets week seven. So there's there's like at least a slim possibility for them to coexist for Alberto to get some looks. Um, and like you said, he scored last week, so he has some standalone value, and it's a super soft matchup, uh, like DK said. Um, so yeah, I just I think it's a long shot, uh, but I see a wider range of outcomes that involve Alberto giving you usable fantasy points than for Ferkser. All right, well, thanks. Uh, I mean, I think that that gives us a good uh, an idea of you know maybe there are some players out there that are going to be available on the waiver wire for free, or as as DK was saying, some some really good punt plays, some you know really good value plays where you're not playing an arm and a leg for Kelsey when you could potentially end up seeing the same production at a third mm-hmm. of the cost. Um, so I, I, I love that stuff. I mean, I've, I've definitely had my eyes on these guys for a minute. I didn't just arbitrarily pick them. Um, yeah, no, you're good. <laughs> uh, I mean, while we're talking about, about guys with low ownership, one more guy I want to touch on. Uh, so Austin Hooper is coming back. He's only 39% owned in Yahoo leagues, which is a little bit above the cutoff, but I think low enough that he's still going to be found in uh, a couple of your leagues if you're playing on Yahoo. Uh, and the numbers that he had from when he was healthy, he was playing 82% of snaps five and a half targets a game, which was good for a 20% share. Uh, he was 
generating uh, 19 yards after the catch a game, which is uh, one of the better marks in the league. And he was the number three target on the team over that stretch with a healthy OBJ. So it'll be interesting to see what his level of involvement is going to be coming back uh, without OBJ there anymore. Um, and we've seen, uh, Har- was it Harrison Bryant? Um, is that the rookie tight end's name there? Yep. Mm-hmm. Both him Brian, and yep. uh, David Njoku have been very usable in Hooper's absence um, since the OBJ injury. So uh, we know that that's a, that's a really tight end friendly system. Hooper's proven that he's a, a good talent at the position and that he can soak up a good number of targets. So if he's available, I'm all about uh, swooping him up and uh, seeing how he looks rest of season coming off this injury into an OBJ-less uh, Browns offense. I don't hate it. My, uh, I got one, you got one as well. Real low ownership here. If you are seriously desperate, Darren Fells, 6% owned in Yahoo. Um, I actually don't know. This one's interesting because he's $4,200 on DK, which kind of makes me think like, Hmm, why is he so expensive? Is he going to, what do they know that we don't? But, um, Jacksonville is awful. Uh, they're 26 <laughs> against the tight end. They just are so bad on defense. You know, nothing flashy about Darren Fells. We kind of know what he is, but he's available. They he'll, He's good for a touchdown. He usually, this guy just scores touchdowns. Um, you could do worse. That, that's yeah. all I'll go with. Uh, no. One thing I will say about Darren Fells, just real quickly, is he scores touchdowns, but especially so when Jordan Akins is not in the mm-hmm. game. And Jordan Akins finally returned to full practice this week uh, after oh, missing the last okay. several so weeks with a concussion. Yeah. So watch out for that. Yeah. I think that the that two-headed dragon that we have in in Houston has always been kind of a temptation to grab a piece, but you never know which one of those heads is going to bite yeah. that week. That's always been my yeah. um, reticence. Pretty much any given week, one of them uh, goes off for either a decent chunk of yardage or a touchdown. So this is probably going to be the first time that they're both healthy since, I want to say, like week one or two uh, this season. So it'll be interesting to see how things shake up. Personally, Eileen Akins, but who knows how he's going to look after what must have been a pretty significant concussion to keep him out so long. Also, I, I will add this, though, in, in, in defense of that pick. Um, I believe the moon cycle is moving more towards a new moon as opposed to a full moon, which means that Will Fuller oh. is going to f- completely fall off in terms of production. And that production has to go somewhere because it's Jacksonville. So That is some spot-on cosmic analysis. <laughs> I'll have my full astrological analysis report available by the time this podcast rolls out, so we'll... Uh, We'll, we'll know exactly what to expect in terms of production there. But, uh, all right, gents, we need to close this out. But before we do, give me one name, no explanation. Just give me one name. Who's your tight end target next year based on our information so far this year? I'm going to go with Mark Andrews. I think the Ravens are having a down enough year that you're going to see draft positions slip for Ravens players across the board. Um, and I think Andrews is too talented and too big a part of that system to not reclaim his spot um, as a top three or four tight end in this league. And I think you'll be able to obtain him probably cheaper than that uh, next season. I like how I said so no I'm, explanation, I'm, but we got the explanation. No anyway. explanation. <laughs> oh, well then edit it out. I'm sorry. No, I'm keeping I'm keeping it in. I'm keeping it in. Okay. Um, uh, thanks, Nora. What, what, what you got, DK? It's it's David and Joku for me. Interesting. Yep. And uh, I'm going to add. Just I'm, trust me. That's my explanation. <laughs> he probably won't be on the Browns next year. I think that's where you're going with that one. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and and in mine, I'm I would 
Travis Kelsey. I don't need to explain that. Yeah, one. I'm, he's in a league of his own. It's unreal. Yeah, if you can get if you can get the tight end one, why wouldn't you get the tight end one? So anyway, and he's not just the tight end one. He's the tight end one who's like scoring thirty percent more points than the tight end two. He's a tight like end. He's a he's the wide wide receiver one in a tight end one spot. So it's pretty much yeah. He's a cheat code. But uh, also. Would like to point out real quickly before we sign off, uh, give ourselves a pat on the back uh, for not talking about Mike Kosicki. <laughs> you know, I we, actually we wanted to talk about Mike Kosicki because it's super interesting, but that's going to be saved for another episode. We'll do tight end round Deal. two. We'll do another one. <laughs> that's it. We're going to book it Sounds right now. Right, tight end round two in the coming in the future. Coming soon to a pod yeah. near you. All right. Thanks, guys. All right, gents. Well, uh, DK, thanks for making your, um, you know, first time appearance here. It's been fantastic having you. Yeah, thanks for having me. And Noro, also always great to have you back. Um, I mean, that that smooth voice and that amazing beard. Uh, you know, it's gonna keep me <laughs> coming back every time. So. Yeah, we gotta get this on video sometime so the viewers can enjoy the beardly luster. <laughs> oh, I imagine one day we'll, we we can do we can do a video someday. I think that's in the cards. But uh, well, thanks for having me. Well, and I think that's going to do it for us, for everybody. Thanks so much for joining us for this foray into the tight end wasteland, and we'll see you again next time. <laughs>